Welcome, welcome all to the first ever edition of the Canadian Cues Podcast. My name is Julian McKenzie. I have to admit, I'm, I'm usually used to doing these radio shows and podcasts with three or four or sometimes five other people, so it's kind of weird not throwing it to someone else right now, but uh, it is pretty much just me on this uh, journey to Syracuse, New York. As you all know, I am a student at uh, Syracuse University in the television radio film program with sports communications emphasis, and I'm going to be here for the next year. So I figured, you know, obviously I'm going to get to know a lot of people, a lot of uh, cool profs, and I've already started to do that. But why not do some of that in podcast form? So uh, every episode, which I'm going to be doing on a monthly thing, not necessarily a weekly thing like I've done in the past, I'm going to be bringing in uh, different guests to uh, you know talk about their experiences here at Syracuse, uh, all good stuff, bad stuff, and uh, talk about stuff that they're doing in their in their great careers now. Obviously, for something like this, I can't be at it alone. Uh, I've had a lot of help, and uh, one of the great people who have uh, helped me with this podcast uh, since the idea came up is uh, a man by the name of Producer Tony. You're going to hear his voice every now and then. Producer Tony, say hello to the people. What's up, people? Glad to be here. I am glad to have Producer Tony on here. By the way, Producer Tony, he is uh, the genius who created the theme song, so thank you very much, Producer Tony for your musical genius for making the song for the Canadian Cues podcast. I really appreciate you having me on here. Uh, this podcast looks like it can go a long way. You got a bunch of great ideas coming up, and the uh, the audience is really going to love this. It's only been four minutes, and you're already, like, sucking up. Not even four minutes, like, even less. What can I say? I like sucking up. <laughs> I really appreciate that, Producer Tony. Thank you. Actually, now that I think about it, now since you're here, have you ever been to Canada? No, I've actually never been into Canada. I accidentally almost went into Canada once. I was on tour with my band back in high school, and we just wanted to go to Detroit, and of course the driver took the wrong exit, which is the one way only to Canada. No turnaround, so we got stuck in uh, customs for about two hours. They had to search our car, make sure we weren't drug smugglers, and then we got turned around and sent our way back into the U.S. How do you accidentally go into Canada? And why didn't you stay? You could have like easily just chilled in like Thousand Islands or something. Canada's a nice country, you know. Well, we almost got detained there because none of us had our passports, and we had a bunch of just, you know, band equipment, so it looked a little sketchy, I'm going to be honest. I don't think they wanted us there, but they also couldn't send us back without clearing us. Well, you realize that uh, if Donald Trump gets elected, uh, Border Patrol and Customs are, may have a heavier problem on their hands, right? You know, there's going to be a whole bunch of people who, all of a sudden, they're going to have this kind of love affinity with Canada, and they're all going to want to move here, right? That's what I've been hearing ever since I moved down here. Are you going to be one of those people? That's fine with me, you know. More room for me. Maybe I can actually buy some land. Where would you want to buy land in Canada? Oh, no, I met in America when everyone okay. leaves. <laughs> okay, just checking, <laughs> just checking. That's true. If all these people start having this max exi- mass exodus, you can have all these uh, free spots of land. Maybe New York City will become affordable to live in. Jeez. I haven't even thought of it that way. And that's That shouldn't be the move. Let everyone else go to Canada, do their thing. I'm good either way because that's the home. Just let everyone go to Canada and then just take the homes for themselves. Exactly. I realize now I'm in the studio and I have this penny in my hand and I still can't get over the fact that, among other things, you guys have chosen to keep these pennies. America is very uh, – there's, there's some subtle cultural differences. Uh, the penny is obviously the biggest one that jumps out to me because this is obsolete. Back home in Canada. But anyway, enough about pennies. 
Let me read to you a little blurb that I may or may not have taken from Wikipedia about the city of Syracuse. Syracuse is a city in and the county seat of Onondaga County, New York. Producer Tony, if I make any mispronunciations of uh, any part of Syracuse or Onondaga or anything else this way forward, uh, you'll 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 let me know, right? Yeah, just don't call Albany Albany. What's the difference? One's spelled correctly and one's not. Albany. Albany. A lot of people say Albany, like the name Al, or like Alf, like the alien guy. Onondaga County, New York, in the United States, it is the largest U.S. city with the name Syracuse. I, I did a little research beforehand. Uh, I found the blurb, obviously, and it never occurred to me that there is more than one city in the United States called Syracuse. There are, in fact, uh, six other cities in America called Syracuse. Uh, they're all in different states. Uh, Tony, would you like to make a guess as to which those six states are? All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with a wild card. Okay. I'm gonna go with Syracuse, Nebraska. That's one guess. Do you, like, can you give me like five other states? Let's go Montana, the Dakotas. I'm gonna combine them because they should be combined. Okay. West Virginia. Okay. Georgia, and good old Alaska. Tony, uh, you only got one right. Please tell me it was Nebraska. Yes. <laughs> I genuinely thought you were going to get like four out of six. And then you just went downhill from there. Uh, but yes, there are there is a Syracuse in the state of uh, Indiana. There's one in Kansas. There's one in Missouri, Nebraska, as we mentioned, uh, Ohio, and Utah. We have two guests here on the, the Canadian Cues podcast. And this next guest also tried to engineer some kind of trade where they were trying to trade some U.S. states to, to Canada for some uh, for some cities. Uh, my hometown of Montreal was involved in that trade, and I basically tried to talk them out of it. There's no reason for you to be traded. Actually, the Dakotas were involved in said trade. It was a massive trade. It was actually pitched uh, out there uh, on Fox Sports 1, but uh, you know, thankfully, good folks up at Fox Sports 1, Canadian folks, turned this trade down. See, I'm not the only one who thinks the Dakotas should be combined. And we don't want them. Not for Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. That's too steep of a... Actually, I don't think Toronto was in the deal, but Montreal, Vancouver, that's too steep of a deal. So the next guest I'm talking about here goes by the name of Nick Wright. He graduated from the University of Syracuse in 2007 in the broadcast journalism program. He went on to do shows in Kansas City, where he's from, Houston, and now he is in Los Angeles at Fox Sports 1, working alongside Colin Cowherd, who is one of the best at sports talk whether it's radio, I remember him doing stuff with ESPN on Sports Nation. Uh, he has a show now with Jason Whitlock. Speak for yourself. This guy's living a life, and he's in his early 30s, and he's doing it. It's crazy. Just It sticks out to me because you'll see a lot of these professionals either graduate from Syracuse or what other communication school have you, and uh, you know they're in their 40s, they're in their 50s, they have this really cool job. I know Nick Wright has ways to go, but the fact that he's making all these strides and now he's only 31 years old, that impresses me. So for the next little bit, listen in to the conversation I had with Nick Wright of Fox Sports 1.
thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. A few weeks ago, you were here at Newhouse speaking to myself and a group of fellow Newhouse students, and you told us this really cool story of how you encountered a legend in the sports media broadcasting business, and he pretty much told you, you know, go to Newhouse and and so forth. But can you tell us who that personality was? Can you tell us that whole story and how that came about, if you can? Sure. I was 11, 12 years old, and in Kansas City, where I grew up, every year there was this charity dinner and auction for the Steve Palermo Foundation for Prowse. Steve Palermo was a very respected, famous umpire in Major League Baseball who in the late 80s was eating dinner at a restaurant with friends after a game, I believe, one night. And someone ran into the restaurant and said a waitress outside was being mugged. And so Steve and the people he was eating dinner with ran outside to help her, and Steve was shot in the neck and paralyzed. And he now he can walk, and he's done, you know, he's recovered far better than people expected. And after he recovered, or once he was recovering, he started doing this dinner every year in Kansas City in this auction to raise money for people dealing with paralysis. The MC of this event was Bob Costas. 17 seconds from game seven, or from championship number six. Jordan. Chicago with the lead! Before the actual dinner and auction, there's like a cocktail hour. And my mom, through her job, had been invited to the whole thing. She was going to go with my dad, but my dad was working that evening, so she took me. And I was one of the only kids there. And so I saw Costas, and I just walked up to him. And, you know, kind of, or not kind of, I introduced myself and told him that he does what I'd always wanted to do. And I kind of, you know, uh, I guess just picked his brain. Where'd you go to school? What'd you do? And he said, I went to Syracuse. I worked at WAER and I went to the Newhouse school. And from that moment forward, I just said, okay, well then I guess that's what I'm going to do. And he was incredibly gracious. Afterwards, he, my mom walked by to thank him. And he stopped her and said, was that your son? She said, yes. And he gave her his home address or his work address, I should say, uh, and where his personal assistant was in St. Louis, actually, and said, I want to keep in contact with him. And over the years, he and I uh, exchanged letters and, you know, I'd see him once a year and we kept a relationship up. That, up, that included him writing me a letter of recommendation for Syracuse. And so I was I was very, very fortunate. He was incredibly kind to me. On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, when you're about to approach Costas, how scared were you? You know, I was so young and didn't know any better. I don't think I was scared at all. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, in a, I'm like a fifth grader. And so when you're in that setting and it's, almost all, you know, adults in tuxedos, you get a relatively wide berth. And I was always a pretty precocious kid. I think I would have been much more nervous if I was, you know, 18, 19 years old. But at that age, I didn't know that I should be nervous. I know if I was in your situation, 
I would have probably just gone up to Costas all nervous and sweaty, and I'd be viewing my uhs and ahs and ooh, I don't know, looking elsewhere, kind of looking scared. So the fact that you were able to step to him like that is amazing. See, as a, you know what, it's funny. I, you say that, and as a college student, that's probably true. But as a, but as a, as, when you're in fifth grade, like you don't even, I, I don't know that you would have been. Like I just, as a little kid, little kids have a lot more, uh, gumption than I think we do as we get older. He tells you, go to Newhouse, you go to Newhouse, you get in in the broadcast journalism program. What was it like going through that program? What, you were probably there, 2003, 2004, around there? What was the equipment like? What was the school like? Yeah, I got I started the fall, I started the fall of 03. Um, I mean, I imagine the school's pretty similar to what it is now. I mean, it's great, great teachers, great students, and kind of a culture of excellence that you realize, you know, some of the most dedicated and talented kids in the country are here. And if you're going to stand out, you really got to take this seriously. You can't, there's not going to be a lot of days off on this. It's still college and you still want to have a great time, but it is, it's a serious institution as I know you guys know. And so the, it, you know, it was always handled as such. Did you know anything about the city before you went there? Any idea about it aside from the school itself? What were your impressions when you got there? I knew, no, I mean, I knew, I knew it was cold. I knew it snowed a lot. And I knew that it was a great broadcasting program. And that was really all that I needed to know. Um, I, I visited once, but I mean, it was the only school I applied to. It was the, there was no question that I was going to go there. Both similar situations. Newhouse was also the only school I applied to. I was the only grad school I applied to. Are you good with the cold? I know you mentioned about the cold, but are you good with the cold? I mean, I was then, I left so now. I After college, I went back to my hometown and worked for five years in Kansas City, but then four years in Houston and now half a year in Los Angeles, you get a little spoiled. I The weather didn't really bother me that much in college. I don't think I could do it now. What about in Syracuse, some of the different beats you were working on? Obviously, as a freshman or even as a grad student in my my situation right now, it's kind of hard to kind of jump in and be like, hey, well, I want to cover football. I want to cover basketball. Was that a similar situation for you? What were some of the different beats you were able to jump on before you were able to get to the point where you were having your own radio show? Uh, I mean, I covered – I did the – at WAR, at least when I was there, it was – Football, then basketball, then lacrosse, and so that those are the three I covered. Like, uh, I I didn't do any women's sports, and I didn't. Do, I just did those three. Now, part of that's probably because I wasn't doing play by play, and I wasn't doing newspaper writing, and so because of that, I I was just working on even when I didn't have my own show, I was working on the shows that we were doing at AER and those were weekly talk shows that we called sports night. And then on top of that, it was the, uh, the post game shows for, uh, football, basketball, and lacrosse. And so even if I wasn't hosting, that was still kind of what I was following. What you mentioned football, basketball, lacrosse, uh, any of them in particular, which was your favorite? 
Oh, basketball, definitely. Not just because Syracuse is great at it, but because that's always been... I mean, I love the NFL, but basketball is my favorite sport. Just the actual sport of basketball I find the most enjoyable. And so... No question it was basketball. Just to quickly break off from the Syracuse stuff for a bit, you say you enjoy basketball growing up. Who were your favorite players growing up? I was a Knicks fan. I grew up in Kansas City. We didn't have a team. Uh, I went to a Knicks game in 1993 in Madison Square Garden. And so I loved Patrick Ewing and John Starks and then uh, Allen Houston. And I really loved Latrell Sprewell. Those Knicks teams of the 90s when I was a kid, those were my favorites. I really hated Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller with a clutch tray, and it's 105-102. And a steal. Miller retreats to the three-point line. And Reggie Miller has tied the game with 13 seconds remaining. Reggie Miller made a three, stole the ball, raced behind the three-point line. And, and I had, a, I think, a respectful disdain for... Um, for Michael Jordan just because he always beat my team. Jordan. Jordan just looked over at Spike Lee and waved bye-bye. As he backs up. See you later, Spike, he says. See you the still a Knicks fan. I'd like to be able to say yes. The truth is I'm a LeBron James fan. It's the one, it's the one like real, uh, I guess, flaw in my sports fandom is as much as I love Carmelo and as much as I'd like to say the Knicks are my favorite team, the truth is since LeBron's come in the league, he, he was the same high school graduating class as me, 2003, and my high school team, my senior year, my basketball team, would get together whenever his games were on TV and watch them. And I've just, I've rooted for LeBron every year of his career. So I don't really, my favorite teams are the Kansas City Chiefs, the Kansas City Royals, Syracuse basketball and football, and LeBron James. Like, those are my sports loyalties. You know, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with, with going off about saying, you know what, you like LeBron James. He is, like, you know, the best player in the league, right? I know we were all hot on Steph Curry the last year, but LeBron James is the best player in the league. So it's fine. It's not, even, it's not close. even close. Just to go back to Syracuse, covering the basketball team, what was it like interacting with the legendary Jim Beheim? Prickly, but I think Beheim, if, 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 if Coach Beheim sees you at practices, at least when I was there, basically every practice was open, and not a lot of people went. And so even if he doesn't know who you are, if he sees you at the practices, uh, he will give you a little more credibility uh, once he sees that you're putting in the work. Adam Shine, I think, developed a good relationship with Bayheim years and years ago. Shine was way before me, based on the fact that he actually showed up. Um, and, you know, Coach Bayheim listens to everything, and he is not shy about you know, calling into a show and letting people know if he thinks they're full of it. And, you know, I had a, he, he had thought that I had said Andy Routon should have a scholarship pulled. And I didn't say that, but it was said on a show I was hosting. And he, when he saw me at a game uh, in the tunnel by the locker room, he wasn't shy about telling me what a terrible opinion he thought that was and how ridiculous it was. But that's him sticking up for his players, which is what he's supposed to do. 
Um, I, you know, I think Bayheim is in a rough spot, and I think people fail to recognize this part of it. Bayheim, unlike any other big-time coach in the country, Bayheim not only has to deal with the local media, but he's got to deal with an entire student media that is convinced they are going to be the next, you know, Bob Costas or Mike Tirico or whomever. And because of that, he's got a lot, he's got a lot of other, what I'm sure he finds to be not only annoying questions, but people that are learning on the fly that he has to deal with, but that take themselves very seriously. Like, Whatever Nick Saban's got to deal with, he doesn't have the best sports journalism school in the country also trying to break stories and uncover things. I don't know if I'm going to get an opportunity to be at a press conference with Jim Beheim. But Hold on, can I, in the can event I ask you a question? Can. Sure, go ahead. Real quick? Go ahead. Why not? Go. Whoa, oh, no, no, no. I for sure would want to go. He's just, I don't know. But one thing I would like to know, if I am blessed to be in that position, the perfect question is you got to help me formulate the perfect question, type of question, to ask the Jim Beheim so that way I don't get like eviscerated in a press conference. Oh, well, there's, there is no such. There, so the wor- being worried about being eviscerated is a good step to making sure you get eviscerated. The, the, like, the mistake people make is they either don't actually ask a question. They want it. Some people use press conferences to try to show people in the press conference how much they know. And that's never going to get you anywhere, especially with Bayheim. And the other mistake people make is they ask very long, drawn out questions. Just ask a direct to the point question and don't add any assumptions to it. And by that, I mean, like, if you want to know, you know, why didn't player X start the game or go into the game, don't don't soften it up. Don't say, Coach, you know, I know you've got a you know, you have a million things to do, blah blah blah. Just say, Coach, how come he didn't start? And I, I think people tend to respect straightforward things like that. Duly noted. I've uh, written that down and when I get to go to the press conference with Jim Bayheim, I'll be sure to make my questions direct. Uh, next question that I'd like to ask you, obviously, you're here at Newhouse, best sports journalism school in the country. Everyone is working so hard, but you got to have some downtime, am I right? What are some of the best spots to, you know, just hang out and just chill? Well, for me, it was very different than for most college students. I, my downtime was spent at my barber shop. I had, there was a barber shop on the south side of Syracuse um, that... I spent, I was there every day for multiple hours a day. I just, that was my hangout spot. I liked those guys. Uh, It got me away from everything. Those guys were always good to me. That was my spot. I, I don't think, you know, that that's the typical college student, what they're doing in their downtime. But I hung out at my barbershop. What was it called and where was it? It's so it's on Burke Street. It's right by. It's like a long walk from Brewster Boland. It's not in the greatest part of town. Uh, the my barber actually, my final year there left, and um, 
and started his own barbershop a few miles away called Cutting Up. And this is shameful that now I can't remember. Uh, House of Hair. That's the name of it. It was called The House of Hair. And I'm sure it's still there. Next time you need a haircut and tell them, tell them I sent you. Those guys are still my guys, even to this day. Like, they'll, they'll remember. One thing we keep, we're trying to get going with this podcast here, as you know, it is called the Canadian Cues Podcast. So we need to infuse some type of Canadiana, uh, whether it's with a guest or some type of thing that will happen in the show. As you know, it's the first episode. We're still working a few kinks out. I'd like to know, Nick, uh, what do you know about the wonderful country of Canada? Oh, I mean, just in general? Like, what do I know? Yeah, what do you... I mean, I don't know. Like, the, I think Toronto's the best city, probably, but Montreal's pretty great. Uh, Have you been to Montreal? I've never been to Canada. You've never been to Canada. What's stopping you, Nick Wright? Uh, I don't know. When I was in college, a lot of people would go to Montreal. I wasn't one of them. And since then, I've just never, I don't know, I've never thought to. My wife just went to Toronto for OVO Fest and loved it. She loved it there. Um, you know, I mean, I'm certain it's a beautiful place. I've just, I've never been. I appreciate the civic pride you guys are showing here. Uh, I am actually from Montreal. That's why I had to ask specifically about that city once you mentioned it. So I was surprised that, because everyone mentions Toronto first, and Montreal somehow is either left behind or is the second city. So I appreciate you mentioning it. Well, Montreal is, is correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Montreal closer to Syracuse? It's like four hours, yeah. I did, when I was hosting for Cowherd, I tried, I offered Canada... We tried to do a trade. I offered Canada um, both Dakotas, Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho for Montreal and Vancouver in the springtime. That was the offer. But then uh, your friend, Jay Onright, called in and said it was a terrible trade. He tried to get me to include, like, New Orleans or something, and I... It, Talks broke off. I did see the trade proposal, and I have to agree with Jay. It's a pretty terrible trade. It's it's horrible. Like Montreal, you're getting all those cities for what Dakotas? But you're getting so much land. We already have so you're, much first land. First of all, we're, America's only getting one city. Second of all, you guys now would have a southern a southerly entry. You could you would be you could be in Canada one minute and in Colorado the next. There's natural resources there. We're giving you Mount Rushmore to do whatever you want. And all we want is Montreal and half the year of Vancouver. No. I mean, I think you're I, – I, I think you got to think this no, no, through no, no, a little no, bit no, no, more. No, no, man. You're getting a really nice city with all those great properties going on in Vancouver right now. Montreal is probably the – like the one city in North America that really has that European feel. And we've already got the Fleur de Lis going on, so we don't necessarily need all that from, from New Orleans necessarily. No disrespect to New Orleans, which uh, I've had friends tell me it's a fantastic city, but uh, I still think it's not that great of a trade. Uh, one more thing before we let you go. You get to work with a legend in Colin Cowherd. Uh, do you find yourself pinching yourself every day at the fact that you work with a great guy like Colin? I mean, close to it. It is, 
I yesterday I actually sat down with him uh, after the show for a half hour, just to kind of talk about career and life and stuff like that. And it's kind of a surreal thing. I mean, I think Colin's the best sports radio host to ever do it. And the fact that I get to spend time with him and I get to be on his show and that I can call him a friend is really unbelievable. So, yeah, I mean, it is it is hard to believe at times that that is what's going on. Any idea whether you might get any bigger roles, anything new on the horizon? I mean, you are fairly young there, and yes, you have your stint with Colin, but I mean, there's always that next job, right? There's always that next opportunity, right? Is there anything bubbling here at Fox? Yeah, no, I'm so I'm I'm working right now on what something that hopefully will become more of an everyday full-time thing, but that is I mean, I'm I'm a full-time employee at Fox. I'm just not I just don't work that much. I'm just not on the air that much, but that will in the coming months, that should change at least slightly. Nick Wright from Fox Sports 1, I can't thank you enough for uh, joining us here on the initial edition of the Canadian Q's podcast. Uh, thank you again, and if you can, please send my regards to both Jay Onright and Dan O'Toole. Absolutely. Absolutely will do. Those, They are great guys. Uh, it's an honor to be the first guest on here. Nothing but success, and maybe we can do it again sometime. We're back here on the Canadian Fuse podcast. Great conversation between myself and Nick Wright. Really glad we were able to get him on the show. And I'm just as glad to get the next guest, Hearns Laguerre Jr., here on the show. He is a TRF SCE student like myself. He happens to be from Spring Valley, New York. And he also happens to be a defensive end on the Syracuse University football team. Now, I know Syracuse is big for basketball, Jim Beheim. The men's team did really well in the Final Four this past March, as well as the women. They went all the way to the final. But uh, the football team, that's another interesting story. That's a team in transition. They had an old coach, Scott Schaefer, did his thing. He's been since let go. Dino Babers has come in now, and he's trying to put in his fast, up-tempo style of play. And Hearns Laguerre Jr. obviously getting tutelage from Coach Babers. So I got the opportunity to talk to him about Babers, among other things here on the Canadian Cues Podcast. Listen in. Cues Podcast. Julian McKenzie here with you. We have a very, very good friend of mine. I know I've only known him for a few months, but I think uh, our, our friendship is, we have a friendship going on. Most definitely. Definitely for sure. Uh, he goes by the name of Hearns Laguerre Jr. I'm going to quiz you about your last name in a few moments, but mm-hmm. so he's from Spring Valley, New York. Uh, he graduated from the Newhouse School of Public Communications with a bachelor's in broadcast and digital journalism. 
Now he's in the grad program with myself in television, radio, and film. We also happen to be in the sports communications emphasis. On top of all of that, uh, Laguerre Jr. is a uh, defensive end for the Syracuse Orange football team. You are a walk-on yes, sir. for the uh, the football <laughs> team. Uh, also, uh, along with that, you uh, co-founded a documentary show called Syracuse Stories, and you have a mentorship organization in Syracuse called Project Grind. You have a lot of things going for you. Uh, just to formally welcome you, Hearns Laguerre Jr. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on this podcast. Thanks for having me. So the first thing I want to ask you about, uh, for your last name, Laguerre, uh, you know what Laguerre means, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> just tell everyone for the folks back home who might not know what so, Laguerre is. So yeah, uh, Laguerre is French for the war, uh, which is a little funny story about that. Like I used to not like my, my name because it, was, it wasn't it was common, and people always used to mis- like mishear me or mispronounce my name. I used to say, hey, my name is Hearns, and they said Burns. I said, oh, no, 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 Hearns. Terrence? No, no. Hearns. Julian? Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> <laughs> like they, they they would say anything else but Hearns. And I used to think it was me. So I yeah, I didn't like my name. I used to just go by Junior because I'm named after my father and Junior is way easier to say. But like the moment I, I knew my last name meant the war and it was like, relatively at a young age, I would say like fourth grade when I really got like the, the epiphany of it all. And then I realized how unique my, my first name was like going into high school and going to college. Like I own it to, uh, to like its highest capacity. Like I, I, my, my name is unique that there isn't anyone that I know who has my name. You know what I mean? I know there's this rapper in, uh, I believe in, uh, Brazil named AJ Hearns, but I hope he doesn't become, more famous than I do, or if he does, you know that'll be cool. Two Hearns is uh, in in the in the industry. I don't know. In uh, Two Hearns is in uh, who are famous. I think that'll be cool. But yeah, so my last name means uh, the war. It's, it's, I just find it interesting that your last name is Laguerre, the war, but you come across as like the least violent person, one of the most least violent people I've ever come across. You're like a <laughs> well, gentle giant, like a really like nice person. Appreciate that being that. said, you also play the ridiculously violent sport of football. Mm-hmm. So when you step out on the field and you you go out and you play football, like are you, how different is Hearns Laguerre the football player from Hearns Laguerre the human? <laughs> the human. Well, uh, we're all humans, you know. Just <laughs> you know, being a regular civilian, just walking the halls of Syracuse. No, yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, like a lot of people always ask that. It's almost like there's uh, some major transformation before going on the field, right? Um, for me in particular, there it, it isn't like that. It's almost as if I'm becoming uh, like more of who I am. The Hearns Laguerre on the field is the same as the Hearns Laguerre off the field. Granted, I won't, I won't tackle you and like in the streets and stuff like that. That that's illegal. Um, but uh, but <laughs> no, it's, yeah. But no, nah, it's uh, it, it's crazy because uh, a little side note, like I like being on the football field and 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 just playing football, playing defensive end, having the the honor to do that gives me such a, a rush, uh, gives me such a, a sense of, of life um, uh, that is comparable to none. You know what I mean? Um, there isn't much of a transformation going on in the field. There's more so like of uh, a peace, if anything. You know what I mean? It's like I have to be at one with myself, understand that there's only one thing that's important the moment I'm on the field. You know what I mean? There's only one task. Like you before you said that I do a lot of things, right? And, you know, um off the field, but like once I'm on the field, the only thing that matters is me executing my one eleventh on the field, you know, executing the 
the best executing my assignment the best of my ability so it's like it's almost like I have to like calm myself down because there's a lot of like nerves and there's a lot of like you know um, excitement and like oh like I, I just I want to do good I want to do good you know what I mean that constantly goes in my mind and like I know the the notion is that you know to get into that state you gotta listen to like some loud like head banging music um, like heavy metal or stuff like that and I do listen to that but on the, um but actually I, I try to f- calm myself down through music so I can play the best of my ability like I'll listen to uh, like many songs uh, one song in particular Ed Sheeran's uh, Give Me Love interesting uh, yeah that for some reason like I, I'll listen to that song. Before I go on the field, and I just feel that peace um, with the situation, with anything. I, I just feel uh, like my heart just beats a little slower. You know what I mean? I'm able to just like gather my thoughts a little better after listening to that song, and then hit a quick prayer, and then uh, head over to the field. So, first off, I'm quite surprised that Ed Sheeran would come up on any anyone's uh, you know pre-game you know playlist. So, so I'll give you props for that. But uh, why Syracuse for football? Mm. Uh, to be honest, it wasn't it wasn't Syracuse football that attracted me to Syracuse at first. When I was a sophomore in high school, I did this project called the Eye Search, which is pretty much like a career uh, research assignment. It was like ten pages. You had to do an interview with it and everything. And before that, I was just so concerned on what I was going to become in the future. Originally, I thought I was going to be a doctor because I was good at math and science, and um, and I just felt that uh. Like that career wasn't for me. Um, it's like a it's like an immigrant thing. I, I always joke with my friends that like if your parents are are from the Caribbean or something like that, or just from a different country in general, specifically from the Caribbean, like if you're Haitian or something, that the two careers that that you uh, the three careers that are prominent is either being a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And if you're like a, a Baptist parent, uh, a Baptist Haitian parent is like doctor. Or, or or engineer, you know what I mean? So are you Haitian? You, I'm Haitian. I'm Haitian American. Yep. So yeah, so uh, there was came came a point that I didn't want to become a doctor. I just didn't find joy in that. And then I watched. Um, I usually watch like 2020 specials all the time, and I watched the Barbara Walters spe- special. And uh, I was always a big fan of Barbara Walters and the way she conducted interviews. And I was like, man, I, I can do what she does. Uh, I, I can do what I can do what she what she does and stuff. And uh, and I looked into it. Looked into like her in particular, her style, and I respected the way people like. Almost had no choice but to reveal themselves in front of her. She was just such a great. She's such a great interviewer, uh, and um, and just such a great reporter. And I just wanted. And I just uh, admired her history, her come up. And ever since then, I decided to uh, pursue broadcast and digital journalism. And I looked into Syracuse because my uh, sophomore English teacher, Mrs. Bond, mm-hmm. who is my by far the the best teacher um, in like in the history of teachers. Uh, no, she's uh, she's amazing. She, I, I uh, all my success and all that, uh, like the foundation of that, starts from her because she told me about Syracuse and really instilled to me that I can do it. Really got my riding uh, better, you know, from high school. You know, still have ways to go, but she, uh, but she's helped start that fire in in, in terms of getting my riding to be better. Um, yeah, so she told me about Syracuse, and then I played football my senior year of high school, mm-hmm. and uh, playing football my senior year of high school only made me like just yearn to play more football. I was like, oh, man, I wish I started this earlier. And knowing that Syracuse had a football team that was uh, on the come up, you know what I mean? They're, they were uh, in a building phase. I thought that I could include myself 
uh, in that building process, and um, I'm here now. Yeah, because uh, it took you a while to, to you know see the field, and now you're at a point where uh, there's a completely different coaching staff. Uh, now you get to work alongside uh, Coach D- Coach Babers, Dino Babers, and uh, one thing that's notable about Babers is the the up tempo, the speed that's there. How is it uh, adapting to you know the whole orange is the new fast thing? That's the hashtag going around here on Syracuse. Yeah. How does it feel? You know, just trying to adapt to something that's so much faster on the field. Uh, the first thing I think of is um, is a phrase people use all the time, like in athletics, that speed kills. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you people just when you have just raw talent and don't have to do any gimmicks or anything like that, um, or let me use a better word, you you don't have to 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 dress up your play in uh, in order to get an advantage. When you can just beat somebody with pure strength, mm-hmm. with pure speed, there's something just like respectable about that because it's like, dang, like I don't know what to do. He's just that much faster than me, right? So yeah, so playing up tempo, at least for the for a defense, it it makes us. It makes us uh, better prepared, better conditioned, in my opinion. The fact that we could, the fact that uh, we have to analyze the formation faster, the backfield set, all of that, way faster, playing against our offense all the time, it makes us play other teams who aren't as up-tempo. It makes us look at them and say, okay, we we can analyze things a little better because now we have a bit more time. You know what I mean? Uh, so there's definitely a lot of advantages to it, and you definitely got to be well conditioned to to run it. So as a as a defensive player, I, I feel like it just makes you a better athlete. Let's talk about Syracuse, the city, and obviously you you've got football going on, and you take classes here. Uh, you you did like four, you've been. This is your fifth year here at Syracuse. So as I was telling you off air, I, I kind of look at you as like a little a little veteran here in these streets. You you know you kind of know your ways around here in Syracuse, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about the city of Syracuse as a whole? Like when you look at it as opposed to where you live back home, elsewhere in the state of New York. What are your impressions of the city? Like, do you feel like there's a lot going on? Do you feel like there's promise here? Like, paint a picture of Syracuse if you can. Uh, Syracuse is a beautiful city, man. It it and the first thing I think of is like education. Um, I had a pleasure of uh, being a part of this organization called Project Grind, which stands mm-hmm. for Greatness Views Eyes and Nonstop Dedication. And through that organization, I, I had the uh, blessing and uh, opportunity to be within the city. Um, Syracuse City has so much to offer. There is no Syracuse University without Syracuse City. You know what I mean? The city has so much potential um, for, like, excitement in terms of, like, in terms of bringing the community together. You know what I mean? There's so much rich history in Syracuse, so many people who have come by here, so many people who are from here that uh, that nobody knows. that. Like, I, I always feel like, um, like Syracuse is is so underrated when it comes to how great it is. You know, no one really hypes it up. But if you really look into the history of it and what's been done, you know, on campus, uh, more so off campus, um, you'll be surprised on how great of a city Syracuse is. You know what I mean? And and how much it has uh and how much it has, you know, dedicated or even, you know, influenced the culture, how much it has influenced uh, you know, history and all that. So being here for the past couple of years, like for me and being a SU football athlete, um, it has allowed me to really connect to the people, um, to a lot of the youngsters who, you know, look up to us. Uh, it's an honor to be able to, you know, inspire them. It's an honor to be able to just communicate with them because 
without their support, you know, we wouldn't be here. Without their support, we would have nobody in the stands, of course. And um, I want to do because because I've I've feel like I've taken a lot from Syracuse and like literally taken like my, my time has been here. You know, I've I've used his resources. I want to in any way I can give back to the community. If it's through football, if it's through you know Project Grind, any way, shape, or form, if I can give back by inspiring, by speaking to people, by having people see me play and getting excited about that, for me it's an honor, and I I feel like there, there's no greater honor uh, than that being a a student, uh, being a a student here for, first and foremost. Um, and just being a, I guess you can say, a citizen of Syracuse myself. So yeah. you mentioned uh, about how they've influenced. There's an influence on on culture and, and history. <clears throat> Do you have any particular like little tidbits of knowledge in the back of the top of your head about like, oh, Syracuse was influenceable on on this aspect, or they did this, or they they did this in history. Like, you know, this is an opportunity for you to really flex your Syracuse knowledge. <laughs> Cool. Uh, like a little random knowledge, like uh, like Syracuse um, made the shot clock in basketball. You know what I mean? Like it was something that that changed the game. Before then, you know, people used to just like pass the ball around, and the scores used to be like so low. Um, in basketball, it made basketball um unexciting. You know what I mean? And the moment the shot clock was made, that made the game like, oh man, like we gotta we gotta do this, is that, and the third. You know what I mean? Um, 1959, I believe, Syracuse uh, football team was national champions. They were uh, undefeated. By that time, they didn't have like any playoff playoffs type of system, so we won by like a vote. By the end of the day, like we were one of the best teams here. You know what I mean? Home of uh, of Ernie Davis, Jim Brown. You know what I mean? Floyd Little, uh, all those prominent people. Um, you know what I mean? Just in terms of uh, just art. You know what I mean? You can think of uh, African American history. Uh, like I, I believe, if um, if I'm not mistaken, like there um, there was like a either a part of the Underground Railroad or something like that, something something with that associated with Syracuse. If not, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to go into into the specifics on how they're associated, but um, I believe they're associated some way somehow. Maybe you can look it look it up real quick. But but yeah, the Syracuse is just. Um, it's just a part of so many great things, and it has just such a great community, man. It's just, it's, it's so rich. The more you get to know Syracuse, the more you get to know how how amazing it is. Yeah. So, you have to remember, you're also a student. You know, there, there are, you know, if there are older people in Syracuse, they may have a different answer to this question. But, you know, say it's like a Friday night, or you know, just a weekend, wherever. Where in Syracuse are you going to hang out? Where's, where are the good spots to chill? <laughs> On a Friday night. Uh, to be honest with, with me. Um, with football field. I get Friday night for you would be a football field. I mean, like, <laughs> when you don't have a game. No, I got you. Uh, for me to have a good time, I, I, I just like being home and, like, just kick back and relax and hang out with friends. I, just, I feel like that's, like, the safest and, and honestly, the most stress-free type of, type of fun you can have. You know what I mean? It's very, like, peaceful. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to... Like I guess other forms of fun, like going when you have to go out. I like go, like watching movies. I'm a big movie buff, so I like going to Destiny USA to watch some movies. Um, if you go, is it if it comes to going to bars and stuff like that? There's a few bars um, on uh, you know downtown and on campus. I like going to with some friends. Uh, so yeah, it really it really uh, depends. You know, what I mean, depending on the mood of the of the group of friends you have. But there's so there's like so much to do in Syracuse, in my opinion. 
uh, it's like such a Syracuse, it's such a, um, a a campus like community, like a college community, like the, the type of colleges you see on, on like the movies. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like Syracuse embodies that. So like any, any, anything you need to do to have fun is kind of like on campus, and uh, you get to have a variety of things. So you're not just like slotted to oh we have to go out to the bars, oh we have to go to the movies, or we have to stay home. You can do a little bit of everything. All right, I think I've quizzed you enough on 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 Syracuse trying to get because remember this is an experience for me right this is my opportunity to figure out all right what's really good here in Syracuse but uh we've now reached the point where uh you know as a Canadian I have to uh you know (laughs) one of the one of the best things about being here in America is having all these people say oh you're from Canada like like do you know Drake like I've had people (laughs) ask me that as if like I just know Drake like that. I think it's funny how like when when people ask, "Hey, are you from a different country?" and then when you say Canada, people always like start with, "Oh, it's, it's like they're about to sing the national anthem or something." Like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but people always say, "Oh, like, like they kind of want to say that, that doesn't count, but like it yeah. does." You know? <laughs> so no, it's weird <laughs> because being a Canadian, I I get classified as an international student. which is really weird. And then like I like in uh, we had a class a few days ago. And uh, they were like, oh, hey, who are the international students? And then myself and another Canadian student were like, yeah, well, we're Canadian. And as you mentioned, like, yeah, you, you kind of don't count. <laughs> yeah, like right up. You're like literally like how many hours away? Uh, so, Hearns, what do you know about Canada? Have you ever been to Canada, first of all? Yes. Uh, the last time I remember going to Canada was with my church when I was like in kindergarten or first grade or something like that. Like the choir in my in my church was going to perform there. So I uh, was going to sing there, minister there. So I just went with my father because he was a part of the, my father and my mother because he was a part of because the, they were both a part of the choir and my sister went with me too. But yeah, so I, I can't remember if there was, I doubt there was another time I went because I would have remembered. But uh yeah, what I know about Canada, Niagara. Before you, before we get into yeah. that, you were in a choir. Oh uh, no, yeah, I wasn't a choir. The choir I'm speaking of is uh is one that my, oh my father and mother was in. I wasn't in it. You um, weren't in a choir, huh? You were not in a choir. Oh no, just no, just to clarify. No, I I, okay. I I was in the choir, but like that was later on in life. Like uh, oh, like how later on in life? Uh, I joined a choir when I was in seventh or eighth grade, and it was like. Throughout high school, like up until me coming to college, and when I went back home, I kind of sang with them a little bit. But uh, but yeah, I used to be part of a choir. Okay, I only asked you because, because once upon a time I was in a choir as well. Yeah, in my church choir. I <laughs> I had to be there for. I say I had to be there as if it was like a death sentence. It's not that bad. Um, no, but I was in a choir too. So that's legit. I can't really sing, but I we, have. A we few. can both like uh, hit a note, maybe. Yeah. I feel, like I, have, I feel like I have a good ear for music. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do poetry as well. You can <laughs> yeah. do poetry as well. The teacher you were picking up early on in the uh, in our interview, uh, is that the one who got you in the poetry? No, it actually kind of going back to church. Um, when I was in seventh grade, I believe, my uh, my youth leader in, kind of made me do poetry. Like he, like he just uh, made me do it because he saw that, that I thought a lot. And um, actually I had my, my cousin and myself do it. And uh, so both my cousin and myself, we kind of got into poetry together. Um, uh, Dione Jasmine, that's his name. But yeah, uh, and my youth leader um, uh, at the time uh, made us do it kind of as a form of expression. And it kind of grew from like doing poetry um, that was strictly like, like that was heavily like religious or heavily like church related Mm -hmm. into doing poetry that really just related to life and 
kind of seeing the beauty uh, um, in all things and and trying to find the God in all things. You know what I'm saying? Like where, where what God says about certain things or um, just experiences that I've experienced. You know what I mean? Like I try to write poetry on on, on anything under the sun, uh, kind of just to help people maybe understand where I'm coming from or see things in a different light. But but the teacher I brought up earlier mm-hmm. helped me in terms of how I wrote. Like, I used to just put words down and thought I was good, but she really emphasized me the point of, like, editing and the point of, like, looking back and uh, expressing things in different ways, like using, using um, like, you know, uh, literary devices, like literary words and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like metaphors, similes, you know, all that stuff. So uh, she kind of got me uh, to think outside the box when, when it came to writing and, like, and and not to focus so much on like how big the word was or or how complex the sentence structure was, but just getting the idea across and worrying about the other stuff later. So okay, I, I'm sorry I had to cut off the Canada segment just oh, no, to kind of <laughs> get into the whole part. But now we can yeah. get into Canada. Tell oh, me what Canada. you know yeah. about about my home and native land. I got you. Uh, so I'm just gonna say random stuff. Canada, <laughs> uh, Niagara Falls. Okay, French. Okay, uh, McGill. I have okay, a friend that goes there. Oh, really? Um, I heard it's like the, the best English uh, college in uh, in the world. I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'm. Uh, I don't know if I'm on that. I went but. to uh, I went to Concordia, which is like across town from oh, yeah. McGill. I mean, I think my parents went to McGill. I need Where? to double check that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I know that. Uh, there's a place called Quebec. Yes. Um, I am from there. Yeah. Healthcare. Yes. Is universal. With all these buzzwords you're coming up with. <laughs> What's the capital of Canada, Hearns? Oh, Jesus. Uh, I just want to say Quebec. Uh, <laughs> I have if Quebec Montreal. Was a, uh, Montreal is not the capital of Canada. Uh, let me just say some random stuff. Toronto. Toronto, that is the... Everyone who doesn't know about Canada, they assume that Toronto is the capital. Toronto is not the capital. Jeez uh, Louise, what's the capital? Uh, Ottawa. Uh, I was never going to get that. Yeah, no. They, <laughs> like, every, people who don't know anything about Canada, uh, they always assume that Toronto, thanks to Drake and what and what have you, they always assume Toronto is the capital of Canada. It is, in fact, Ottawa. Really? Toronto is the capital of Ontario, though. So okay. you have that. Yeah, I have, like... I need to get my Canadian knowledge up, apparently. Well, I mean, you have me, so I can always <laughs> provide you with that. Is, is that all of your Canadian knowledge? Did you just pour out everything? Uh, sadly, yes. <laughs> Hearns, you, you did all right. I did for, all right. For the first incarnation of uh, yeah. what do you know about Canada? <laughs> Hopefully, I'm leaving, like, uh, big shoes to fill. Hey! Like, your, your, your second guest probably is going to, like... Like crush me and uh and, and like say a whole bunch of facts about Canada. You don't know. You, for all you know, that second guess might just be like uh um um um. You have Drake. That's, it. That's pretty much <laughs> Justin it. Bieber. Oh, I forgot to say the you artist. You even bet you Justin Bieber. Drake, Justin Bieber, Carly Rae Jepsen. I still don't get the appeal. I mean, then again, you know what? Like, I'm not gonna start a whole war on Carly Rae Jepsen. She yeah. must be a wonderful person. She's Canadian, so that's obviously great. I, I, I just, I'm just I not as big of a fan of Carly Rae Jepsen. I think she's wonderful. Like uh, the song, I really, 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 really like you. Like, I don't get it. Like that, that, that song, uh, the music video for that song was righteous. I like that. <laughs> all right, I haven't seen the video. Maybe Tom, it, Tom Hanks is in it. That's all I gotta say. Tom Hanks is in it. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, you gotta watch it now. You got, you ever heard of Canadian Idol? <laughs> no. 
Yeah, we had <laughs> our own version of like well, American Idol. Well, actually, I think American Idol started from like the British because a lot of the great shows start from the British anyway. I didn't know American Idol started from British. I, yeah, like they had like their own version of Idol, and then um, I forget what the name of the guy who's created all these shows like X Factor and whatnot. They brought it over to America. Obviously, Simon Cowell gets big. The American Idol happens. Canadian Idol happens. All these different idol happens. There's like I think there's like South uh, Africa idols. Yeah, like there's like a whole bunch of um, idols everywhere. Yeah, Canadian Idol was a thing for a bit, but yeah, Carly Rae Jepsen, probably the probably oh, wait, wait. the biggest person to have come out because because of the just because of the fact that she's actually made it into America and, and was people she on America Canadian Idol. She was on Canadian Idol. Did she make it very far? Uh, I want to look this up very quickly, but really I'm trying really to remember really if she really won Canadian <laughs> Idol or not. That was uh, years ago. Canadian Idol stopped being a thing like way before American Idol stopped. Yeah, but American um, Idol stopped recently. yeah, geez, Carly Rae Jepsen. about the Voice now. The Voice is a pretty good. Show. Yeah, the Voice pretty much takes over. Actually, in Quebec, uh, the French version of it is a uh, La Voix. La Voix. La Voix. That's there is beautiful. a French version of The Voice. It is La Voix. Uh, cool. Carly Rae Jepsen uh, did not, in fact, uh, win Canadian Idol the year she was on Canadian mm. Idol. She came very close. She was in the top three, but uh, she mm. did not win Canadian Idol. That being I w- said. I wonder if it's the same in Canada. Like the person who, the people who don't win end up being more famous than the person who That is win. accurate. That yeah. is totally accurate. It kind of sucks. It's almost like if you do become, granted, there are, there have been successful num- um, people who, who've won Idol and like gone on to be great, and, of course, but mm-hmm. it kind of sucks that like if you become, I feel like the, the, pro- the probability of you becoming famous and not number one is greater than the probability of you becoming one, number one and famous. Granted, there's more people who aren't number one, of course. Uh, there's only one person who's number one. But, like, and maybe I'm getting, like, the numbers wrong. But I, but I, it's almost like if you win American Idol, you're like, dang, I may be forgotten, like, all the other winners. Yeah, exactly. You feel me? <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, I can't that. think of anyone besides uh, Kelly Clarkson and um, – Ruben Stuttered won the year after. I can't. Yeah, forget. but but Ruben, where's Ruben Stuttered? I don't know where you know he's at I mean? now. Kelly Clarkson made a good name for herself. I think uh, Ruben Stuttered was a uh, who didn't Taylor the uh, Taylor not Taylor Carrie Underwood won. Oh, Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood yeah. won. She, I think she's probably the most famous out of all of them. Yeah. Uh, thinking of people who haven't won and did big things, Jennifer Hudson's like the first thing that comes to mind. Oh like, yeah, it, she won an Academy Award. When it comes to that, you can think of people like so many people. Like you said, uh, Jen, uh, you, uh, who you said Jennifer Hudson. Yes. There's Fantasia, Tori Kelly. Fantasia didn't win. Fantasia won. Did she win it? Fantasia Barina won. She did. I, I remember that. Oh, okay. She probably did. My, my. my I think apology. she did win. Yeah. She won. Okay. No, she probably she probably did. Yeah, my, that's on me. <laughs> hey, don't worry about it. No, yeah. Don't even worry about it. No, yeah, but yeah, but I thought I thought you can go on, you can go on a list of the people who haven't won and have become successful. I think that's the most amount of play we will ever give American Idol on this podcast. <laughs> and uh, with that, uh, Hearns, I can't thank you enough for uh, joining me on uh, the first ever episode of the Canadian Cues podcast. No, man, uh, yeah, it was, it was an absolute pleasure, man. I just I can't wait to see this thing blow up. Hey, I can't wait to see it blow up, too. And when I mean blow up, it'll probably get, like, 50 listens the first one. Oh, you never know, man. Low uh, expectations. I'll shoot low, and then when and then you get really surprised when everything, you know, goes over what you uh, expect. In the aim world. high, and you may, you, may surprise, you may still surprise yourself. You shoot for know. the moon, land on the stars, right? Yeah, man. Hearns Laguerre Jr. on the, uh, the Canadian Cues podcast.
debut edition of the Canadian Cues podcast. Just want to give a special thank you to Shakora, Jeremy, and last but certainly not least, uh, producer Tony, who needs a uh, producer tag for all the beats he's been supplying for the debut edition of this podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, can you just briefly just tell everyone uh, your producer name and uh, where you can find you? You have a SoundCloud, right? Yeah, my producer name is Tichi. That's T-I-C-H-I. Uh, you can find me on SoundCloud and Facebook at Tichi Music. I only got a couple songs released, but uh, look out in the future because there's going to be a whole EP coming this semester. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. I, I, I did not, that was not planned. I did not plan for you to drop that bomb on us. But uh, thank you very much, TG. And uh, keep it locked here for future episodes of the Canadian Cues podcast. Thank you so much for listening.